0: Welcome to Model Secrets. I'm Kim Ali, former model, agent, and now independent scout with over 30 years of experience in the business. I'm Katya. I have been modeling on the East Coast for several years and build a great community on social media. In our podcast, you will get an insider's look into the modeling world shared by models, photographers, agents, scouts, and other industry professionals. We hope you will have fun learning about the modeling industry with us. This is my first podcast ever. Well, welcome to Model Secrets. Here you are. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. Katya, it's nice to meet you. I haven't ever met you, so it's so nice to meet you.
0: Katya is in Russia. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Austeinia. <laughs> can you That's speak Russian? Oh, okay. I was like, wait, can you speak Russian? Y'all can just have a conversation. I'll just sit here. Okay, let's
1: go. Ask me a question. Let's roll.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> In Russian. Oh, well, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. You are? Oh, don't be nervous. It's just us. Yeah, I know. And maybe some other people listening. <laughs> And watching video. But I love your glasses, by the way. Your glasses are the best. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they were sunglasses that
1: I had turned into glasses, so. Love it.
0: I like that. Right? Thank
1: you. Thank you. Always got to be styling. Always got to be styling.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so tell us how you got started in the business, in the fashion business.
1: Well, I got started in the fashion business. All My life has been like an accident, you know, just... The whole things just sort of fell out of the sky and I got started in fashion. I'll say I got started in fashion when I was really young. I worked in summer stock theater in New York and I was a wardrobe supervisor. And that's really where I learned about fabric and construction and fashion history because on all of those plays, you were watching the garments from beginning to end. The first play was Ghosts with Christine Baranski and Kim Hunter, okay? So I was lacing Christine Baranski into a corset every night, and then dressing Kim Hunter and getting these wonderful stories about Marlon Brando and A Streetcar Named Desire. So, you know, and she loved to kind of kiss and tell. So, uh, yeah, I know all that will go in the book. But she did say, you know, he was the most remarkably handsome man, even after the stagehand broke his nose in a boxing match backstage. So, Oh, really? Yeah. And Christine was great. She was young and starting out. And that um, you just took everything from beginning to end and that's what got me interested and in, you know that's why when you look at me I'll take a garment and turn it inside out is it french seamed is it you know what fabric is it made of how what's the construction so how is it built you know is it cheap is it like cheaply built is it surged you know is the fabric surged and and cheap or is it really you know put together so that's where my appreciation for fashion really started and then I um, I went to school in um, London and studied art and architecture and was dancing because I was a dancer. Um, so I could move and chew gum at the same time, um, which I, I can't do now, but um, I could then. And studying all the fashion history that went along with the art and the architecture and the periods um, and how it all, you know, so funny ties into today. Um, you know, everybody's all in an uproar about men wearing lace and satin and pearls. And, and I'm like, okay, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, 20th century is all about Beau Brommel and the evolution of the suit and the cravat. That Until then, we were high heels and fancy, and we got to wear all the luxurious stuff. And, you know, I just love the whole um, Maharaja kind of period. They just tons of pearls and jewels, and that was masculine. And now all of a sudden you have Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue in a dress and everybody's going, ah, um, we've been there. It's, it's part of our history. We've been there. So um, that's where that's where my love of fashion really started. And my first, you know, styling jobs were working in visual display. And I sort of fell into that in New York and in six months was the head stylist for the fourth floor the fashion floor. So I got to work with all the designers when they came. So there was knowledge, you know, I have a fan from Carl Lagerfeld. Um, uh, I, I got to work with Bob Mackey, who was, you know, incredibly, incredibly the nicest man in the entire world. But I got to touch all of those share costumes um, that I watched as a child. And word to the wise, she was 5'7". And we had to send the mannequins out to be shaved down below zero. Oh my gosh. She was that tiny. Yeah. She was tiny, like negative one, wow. like really oh negative God. one. She was tiny, tiny. I mean, the smallest mannequins we have those costumes from Vegas and her show. And, you know, and I have a picture of me somewhere with the Academy Awards, like Mohawk headdress on somewhere. Um, um but it was amazing how balanced the whole thing was. And what people don't realize about that costume is that panel, that wool panel that she wore down the front, those were lug nuts. Those were big, heavy, sewn on gunmetal lug nuts. So that thing, you know, was a weapon. She could have wielded that, that thing as a weapon. Um, so it was heavy as any dress, any ball gown, you know, would have been. Um, but again, it was the construction that held it up and allowed her to just, you know, be share.
0: Right. So you got the start really in New York and in London. In London.
1: Yeah. Everything in the world that dropped in my lap happened in London. You know, um, just walking down the street and being tapped on the shoulder and somebody saying, hello, my name's Emma Sullivan. And would you like to model for me? And I'm like, what? I was 19 years old. It was 41 years ago. I was 19. She just, I said, well, I was a student. I had no money. She said, show up here tomorrow. I showed up there. I did whatever they did. And that was, that was the beginning of the punk. You know, that was 1982. The punks were, coming to Leicester Square and Vivian Westwood and, and Vivian Westwood fell in my lap. Like I could walk and chew gum and I was skinny as a rail and you could put all that pirate layering stuff on top of me. I had no idea who she was. I ended up walking in her second show. Hema just said, show up here. I didn't see it as a business. I just saw it as this like Lark thing that she called me every once in a while and said, go here. And then I got a check and said, I can go to Paris and i can go to Wales and I can go to the Costa, Costa del Sol in Spain. I didn't see it, you know, as a job. Um, and I think uh, that happens with a lot of guys, you know, and especially back then, the men were really props. We were definitely props. And to find a guy that was androgynous, because you couldn't tell if I was a boy or a girl and you could pile all this clothing on me. And now I look at fashion and I see it's kind of come full circle. It sure has. You know, I was watching today the um, Pat McGrath uh, mascara ad that looks so 70s to me. It, it's like, I'm, I crave it. I watched it about 10 times, but it was Irina Shank and Damien. And you couldn't tell if he was a boy or a girl, now we know he's a boy, he's he's Elizabeth Hurley's son, but if you don't know that and you're looking at that ad, you're gonna, you have to look twice. You're gonna re- reverse that thing and go, wait, what? Is that who? Because he's so incredibly beautiful. So all of that kind of stuff just fell in my lap and I, I kind of wish I had an agent that had made me push harder because stuff did happen. Um, I was able to do things, but I didn't, you know, it was go here, show up here. And I didn't know anybody from anything. Um, I was 19 and a dumb kid and having a good time in in Europe. So I really didn't see it. Um, And I was learning a lot about fashion. I mean, that was the whole start of the punk movement and I was right there.
0: Did you love it? I love um, yeah. that fashion. <laughs> it was so. Yeah, I did.
1: Fashion to me. And, and when I look at fashion magazines and I look at pictures, they're the model, a really good model is going to tell a story and she's going to, she or he is going to take you on a trip and you want to be part of that trip. That's why when you're flipping through that magazine and all of a sudden you stop, it's like, I want to go there. I want to be there that person's telling me a story, that person's drawing me in, I wanna go there. So it's kind of that, That you know, that's the thing with models, is like really good ones realize they're drawing you in, they're taking you on a trip, they get the story, they know. And, and those are the ones that you love because they take you on that journey. They take you down the rabbit hole. That's why we buy the fragrance or the mascara. We can't afford that dress. Come on. We can't afford that dress. But part of the story is we can have part of that trip. We can have the fragrance or the handbag or the mascara or the makeup. And we can go on part of that journey. So that's what I love, you know, about fashion. It's just It's all inclusive creativity. You've got photographers and makeup artists and hairstylists and set designers and all of these people in a room and all of this creative energy is flying and bouncing off the walls. And I'm this little kid just sitting there sucking it all in and loving it. I just loved the whole outcome, the story. Um, and then coming back out of that rabbit hole and going back into reality, it, you know, <laughs> yeah, it stopped. It, it, <laughs> it
0: stopped. was a fun place to be, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was like yeah. an amusement park. Right. And, and,
1: you know, it was like an amusement park. It was just, there, was, there were sometimes, you know, just sparks from people's creativity. And when everybody hit on the same cylinder, then, oh man. It was you were off on a ride, and you would work twenty four hours because, you know, everybody was jazzed on on that vibe. So, you know, I I just you know good things happened to me because I knew good people, and um, you know, my first hair and makeup job, I went to Parsons to study hair and makeup at night. And I had just opened my own visual consulting firm, styling agency in New York. And one of my good, good friends worked for Harper's Bazaar and she was going to an event and I was like, okay, let me do your hair and makeup. You know, I'll do your hair and makeup. Um, And she went to the event and her boss came by and shook her hand and said, and who are you? She said, "Um, I'm Deborah, I work for you. She said, Oh my God, who did your hair and makeup? Now, at that point, Deborah became my agent. And she said, Oh, yes, he does hair and makeup and blah, blah, blah. Well, my first booking was for Harper's Bazaar.
0: Wow.
1: For hair and makeup. And I was doing a fashion editor and the makeup editor for television. And they booked me because I could do both hair and makeup. Now, mind you, I walked in with my little makeup kit. The, the 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 makeup editor was on the phone with Orbe about her hair, and I was like, "What? What have I gotten myself into? Like, what? I could kill Deborah. I'm gonna die. They're 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 gonna die." And I did the hair and did the makeup and convinced this this editor who never wore her hair back to wear her hair back. It was a fight, and I said. You know, she's determined. Just trust me, wear your hair back. So she finally did. And the camera operator, you know, came up to me and he said, that's the best she's ever looked. <laughs> and I said, it's because you can see her face, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. So I think for an hour, I got like 750 an hour, which 30 some years ago in New York was a lot of money. And then from there, things were off and rolling, you know, it's word of mouth.
0: Yeah. So, so you were, so you were in London. I'm just trying to get the timeline here. <laughs> you were in London and you started modeling. And I started modeling. Okay. And, and then, then you went I, to New York.
1: I came to New York. Okay. And of course I had my little portfolio. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you were a model. And what agency were you with in London?
1: In London, I was with New Faces And then um, Gavin Robinson would use me too. So I didn't sign an exclusive with anybody because Hema said, if you sign an exclusive with somebody, I can't use you. Well, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I was, she's just like, don't sign anything. So I'm like, I'm okay. I'm getting work. I don't care. I won't sign anything. And so then other agencies would kind of um, farm me out. You know, I didn't know anything. But that's a good deal. But Kim, I didn't know anything. I was like, I was just go here, do what they tell you, let them put on whatever they wanted, walk, turn, you know, act the fool. Sound like you were having fun though. I was having fun, but he, but it, it was punk and Vivian Westwood and music and the clubs, and it was like, oh
0: come on, I'm 19 years old. I'm having a party.
1: Yeah, they sent me to Vidal Sassoon and cut my hair and and, you know, I just did whatever they told me to do. And then I'm thinking, I'm going to Paris.
0: I'm going to wait. Did you go to Paris?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to Paris. Um, still one of my, you know, was up for 24 hours the first day. I was there just walking the streets and like, you know, because it was all, you know, fashion history. It was all, you know, there's no place in the world like Paris to see women and men, unless it's Italy, you know, and men in Italy and their innate sense of um experimentation with style and not being afraid.
0: I know my my son gets made fun of if he wears a scarf in the wintertime. I'm like, what? It's like my what? God, it's
1: beautiful. you know beautiful. It, it's it, it, they're just inspirations. They're, you know, and French women are just innately um It's cliche, but they're innately chic and chic you're born with style. You can learn, but chic is something, you know, you're chic in your crib. You've either got it or you don't.
0: But that baby's got chic. Yeah, that
1: baby, the way that he holds that blanket, you know, (laughs) you're just innately chic. Yeah. You You can't teach chic. Right. I mean, the way you walk. Yes. It's the way you walk. It's the way you hold yourself. Yeah. It's it's just innate. It's the same thing with being sexy. You either are or you aren't. It's not something you can teach. It's something you can fake in a photograph, but you can't teach real sensual sexuality. Some people just have an innate sensuality about them, all of the senses, and they get it, and they're aware of their space and their allure and and that is sexy. They've got it. They're not aware that they have it. That's always the best, isn't it? Because that'll kill it. Well, it kills it for me. If they're aware they've got it, it kills it for me. But the ones that aren't aware that they have it have this power that they don't even know they have in their hands. And it's it's an, it's an incredible power to have um, that innate sense. So, yeah. So off the track.
0: No, I love it. It's great. Yeah. So you went to New York from London. Yeah. And I've got my,
1: my little, you know, portfolio and everybody's going and I wasn't going to do anything. So everybody's going, well, at least go to the agencies, like go just, and I didn't know about open call. I just walked my butt in, you know? That's so rude. (laughs) Okay. But let me tell you, I got past every receptionist And Eileen Ford herself came out and looked me up and down like a horse, you know, like she was judging a prize pig at the county fair. And then she just turned around and, you know, the receptionist said, you can go. But she came out and looked at me because the receptionist said, "Eh, we may have one. We, We may have one. But I went to all of the major agencies and Wilhelmina will always be one of my favorites because... When I got there, and I blame, blame Bruce Weber for ruining my career, um, I do, because I was the thin European pretty boy, and he had changed the whole paradigm to Pepperdine, volleyball, swimmers, athletic, you know, Jeff Aquilon, Bill Curry, all. That. and
0: I was like, I love Bill Curry. I know,
1: I do too. I do too.
0: Wasn't he gorgeous with that? Yeah. Career? So gorgeous. So. Katya is like, who's that? <laughs> anyway. So he's a you photographer look up. now, look yeah. him up. He's yeah. a photographer
1: now. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I went into Wilhelmina and the guy looked at my book and he was so nice. He complimented me and let me down at the same time. Um, and it was it was where I learned a very important point about the business, about what sells and what doesn't in a particular moment. Yeah. And I had missed my moment in New York. He's like, I'm sorry, you're too pretty. Um, and I, I just kind of looked at him and he said, so I said, so I'm not what's selling. And he said, exactly. 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 It's not that you couldn't have modeled at a at a certain point, but you're not what we're putting in the stable right right now because you're not what's selling.
0: You'd be famous now. Um, because it's all come full circle. It's about timing. It's about timing. Oh, it is. It really is. I know I was telling some girls yesterday, I was talking to a mom and a daughter on the phone and I was saying, you know, you just have to realize that it's not the right time for your look. I'm going to try, but I'm just telling you it's just really not the right time for your look. Exactly.
1: And he was like telling me, "Don't waste your time or mine because you're not going to sell." Because it, I didn't look like God knows I didn't look like Jeff Aquilon or or Bill Curry or John Anderson or any of those guys that were, you know, Bruce Halls, any of those guys that were like changing the whole look of modeling and that's what's happening now the whole look of modeling is changing again there there is an earthquake shift i think and in what's happening thank god yeah it's it's opened up so wide for all these choices all these different kinds of beauty that nobody ever paid any attention to and now is their time whether you're male, female, trans, you know, you're a pretty boy, you're a, you know, Elliot Sailor, one of my favorite models. I mean, she models menswear. She can do both. She does both. And I, I love it. How versatile is that? You can do menswear, you can do women. And then, you know, you've got guys wearing dresses on the cover of Vogue. Amen. Hello. Let's Open up the standard of beauty, and that's what's happened. That's what I think is the major shift. I mean, you have you have ethnicity being used in a way that it was never used before. I mean, YSL used Black models, but not in the sense of what's happening now, you know? And, you know,
0: and the skinny boy is back. Yeah, the skinny pretty boy is back. No, you don't have to be the 42, blah, 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 you know.
1: No, you know, you had to be, you know, you had to be 42, 15, 15 and a half, 32 waist, nine, nine and a half, 10 shoe right off the rack, you know. But you also, when you peeled that shirt off to do underwear ads, you had to be rocking that uh, water polo body, uh, which... didn't have so you know that was another thing and that's that's basically where I learned okay this is a business this is a business I was like thinking you know I was just trotting along doing my thing and and so that's when I really 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 went behind the camera and um started styling and working with photographers and you know, some one of my friends became a prominent designer and, and I was there from the beginning of that. And we used friends and, and I helped with the first national ad and whole, you know, it's just all this stuff that, you know, we were a, a group of creative people and we kind of would, if something good happened, we'd get on the phone and say, Hey, come, come dude. And so we pulled that, pulled each other along. Um, so it was that network. So you never you never burned a bridge in that network because, and I'm, I'm still friends with all of those oh, people. Oh,
0: that's so awesome. And you said something about writing a book. Are you writing a book?
1: No, everybody tells me. Oh, I
0: that you should. Oh. Yeah, you should.
1: I, I did a fake cover and did it on Facebook or something or Instagram. And all my friends were like, I want the first copy. Mm-hmm. I want a copy of that book. Because we were there and they know, some of the stories Um, because you're going to remember I go back to 70s, 80s, 90s in New York and then Mm. I moved to LA. (laughs) 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 So I'm not not fond of Los Angeles.
0: Well, it's Um, so different from New York. It's it's just night and day. You know, when you
1: grow up on the east coast and you go to the yeah. west coast it's, it's like you've walked into zombie land
0: it's very different um, <laughs> on every level it's totally different uh, kati have you ever been to LA? yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's different.
1: did you like it come on be honest okay you like the weather the
0: flora yeah. the fun. yes
1: yes i never leave there so but i can't really compare trying to figure I out did. the
0: people yeah. is like yeah. Well, in so New yeah. York, everybody just tells you like it is. They're right.
1: Like, Do you cool. want to know what this is? OK, this is the difference between New York and L.A. In New York, somebody will look at you and say, I'm going to take your job. In L.A., they will hug you and tell you how wonderful you are while they're trying to take your job.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. You know, good point. And in New York, it's not what the door looks like. It's what's behind the door. Crappy. Meatpacking district, open the door, fabulous club. In LA, it's all about what the door looks like. And you open the door and there's no furniture. There's nothing because they've spent all their money on their car and their sunglasses. And they don't have any furniture in their house. So I'm just like, I can't stand this place. I I, I like contract was up. I'm out of there.
0: So when you went to New York, I'm trying to keep
1: you on. on track. Good
0: luck. Good luck. I know. So when you went to New York, so um, you went to Parsons and then you started doing hair and makeup and styling. So you did all, all three.
1: Yep. So I was working. Yeah, I did all three and I was still working in visual display at that time since so you could do all of this freelance. So I worked for Bloomingdale's in its heyday and Barney's was Simon Dunin.
0: Oh, So you did the, 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 the store windows?
1: Mhm I did I was I was a stylist for Women's Windows and Co-op. Um so I got to work with people like Matthew and Saldi and um you know we that was the time when Simon would do like live windows and so live models would come and do the windows for the opening and then 12 hours later we'd have to replace them with with mannequins but Allie Dunn, John Francis, um, we do fashion shows. So Rachel Williams, you know, I got to meet and dress and style um, a ton of like my favorite models. You know, I was I was an Allie Dunn freak at that time because I just thought, you know, this girl is freaking fearless and she doesn't care. And I love it. And, you know, she just would walk Isaac Mizrahi's runway and like tear it up and people would cheer. And those were the days when models had walks and they didn't walk like zombies and, you know, just turn and, you know, the models had personality.
0: Yeah, they had personality. Yeah, it was all about personality. I wonder why they don't do that now, like on the runway.
1: I, you know, I think what happened seriously, and this is just my theory and I'm sticking
0: to it, is I think. The models became bigger than the clothes. That's what I was going to say. That's exact. And they were like, no, 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 no.
1: The models became bigger than the clothes. And it was more about seeing the model than it was about what they were wearing. So it went 360. The pendulum swung to you hired models that all look alike. Right. They all generally look alike. They're all generally the same height. And they just walk. And then they turn and then they walk back and they look straight forward and they don't interact with the audience.
0: I kind of miss that. I kind of miss that. I hope it comes back. I hope it does. I miss it because it was a
1: production.
0: Yeah, like like a theater production instead of just so.
1: It was like Isaac Mizrahi's shows were a phenomenal production. You were going to a 20 minute miniature Broadway show every time you went. And the models knew it. And Todd Oldham, God bless, his shows were fantastic. The crowd cheered because there was an energy for the clothes and the models and that story. They sucked you in, those models sucked you in and said, this is fabulous and you can do it too. And, you know, of course we couldn't, but we thought we could. And that was, that was the wonderful thing. I think modeling in a sense runway has become really boring um I don't really watch runway shows anymore um I think they've become really boring because I'm used to that um the
0: production part I I mean there's some like in Europe that they kind of do the big lights and the big stages and I kind of like that but the models are still pretty you know simple walking
1: yeah I just I miss that whole um production, you know, like a Terry Mugler show. Hello. He didn't do fashion. He did costumes. Those were costumes and and a theme. And you couldn't even water those clothes down. I mean, come on, Jerry Hall and that mermaid dress. Well, only she could wear that dress and nobody else could wear that dress. And you couldn't take it off the runway. It was just pure 100 percent theater.
0: Yeah. So maybe it'll come back around. Maybe it will. Maybe some designer will be like, I'm gonna. I've been waiting like what, like
1: 25, 30 years for the pendulum to swing back. And it. I'm thinking maybe that's just a moment that won't ever come back. That whole late 80s, early 90s thing where, you know, music and fashion and paparazzi and all that Kind of converged and it was it was um, lightning in a bottle and it was exciting. I mean, Fashion Week was the most exciting thing in New York other than Fleet Week. If you know, so
0: <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is that? Fleet
1: Week? Oh, that's when the Navy comes in to play oh, oh. in, in LA.
0: <laughs> Did you know oh, what that caught you? didn't know.
1: <laughs> she didn't know either. <laughs> I'm
0: like, what does so, that mean? Other than
1: Fleet Week. Fashion Week was like the most exciting week because you lived for you you lived for that. You'd see the models in the street. You'd you go to the tents in Bryant Bryant Park, and you know because of where we worked or what we did, we were able to get in. You know, you it was getting standing room only, and and watching all of this stuff happen, and then you'd go to the clubs at night and. There's Linda Evangelista on a swing at the rock seat, you know. Hello. Hey, Linda. What? I'm a little boy from Lynchburg. This doesn't, like, happen. This, is, this doesn't
0: happen. But what a great life. I mean, that's super.
1: I've had a lot of fun. I've got a lot of stories. I have to change the names because I'll probably get sued. But think, you know, my 21st birthday party was at Studio 54. Oh, was it really? Yeah. We got in and partied yeah. at at studio 54 um wow my 21st birthday so that's um, huge i know but huge. you think about it now i'm like how did i get in
0: i don't know but i watch i watched the documentary did you watch it i did and it's ex- it was exactly like that yeah yeah and, my friend is myra Shear. i have she's oh my i okay Yeah. She's my dear friend. All
1: right. Mm -hmm. All right. So we, you and I need to sit down and like, really, really I know. Right. Maybe we should write a book. We've got some cross connections. I'm sure, you know, because
0: they're just. She was the door person. Yeah. My my friend, Myra, she was the door person. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And then she still has a a show. She has a, a show on XM radio.
1: No, when I was watching the whole Halston, you know, miniseries thing, and they did the whole Studio 54 thing, I was like, oh my God, I'm having such a flashback moment. Because those streamers that came down, I remember ripping them off of the, the catwalk and wrapping them around my body. And when I left Studio 54, I walked down 54th Street, at I don't know what time in the morning, the wind was blowing and the... the the silver banners were like flying. And I thought, oh my God, I'm fabulous. I'm
0: fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what fashion is. Um, I'm sorry, but that is really what fashion is, is when you feel fabulous. Fabulous.
1: 54th Street was my runway. I was decked out in silver mylar and I was fabulous. It was my moment, you know, I'll never forget that moment. I walked that street alone, but I was fabulous and it was fun. And I thought I had fun. It was fun, you know, and I I wouldn't trade anything that I did good or bad for those, for those moments, because you're looking at it through the eyes of nostalgia, which gives it a sweetness and a purity that it probably really didn't have. Yeah. Um, But, and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, But still, when you think back on it, you think, holy crap. Right. You know, I was just a
0: kid. Having fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Youth is wasted on the young.
0: Really really is. But anyway, (laughs) it really is. I think that every day I'm like, if I knew what I knew, but anyway, so, so now, so let's, let's talk about now. So now, so now you're, you're still stylist. You still do hair make. Tell me about what you, what you're.
1: I haven't during this whole pandemic thing really done anything. I mean, you know, you know that because I I was so um, sequestered and then um, there were some other things going on. So I really just with matriarch and, and Tina and, and Jill occasionally will, you know, give little snippets or comments or, and and I keep my tiny toe in the little pool of creativity over here in the the corner. Um, And that's kind of kept me alive.
0: Well, I mean, it was hard to do anything during the last year. So come on. Yeah. And I'm not so
1: sure. I was like, I'm not so sure I could style someone from a Zoom. You know, I've got to like, I've got to touch you and manipulate and 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 see you in the whole. I'm a visual person. I've, I need to see that whole 3D surrounding and get the vibe of what's going on and and what are we going for? And then you know, I might switch you up in the middle of the the whole thing I might grab one piece and you know
0: but what what I know about you is that you know style you know what looks good on a model it'll be funny because I'll be like Katya probably doesn't know this but there'll be a girl and I'll be like won't you look better with bangs or really short hair Uh and she's like (laughs) yes yes (laughs) change it up (laughs) she needs to be a redhead think about look at her skin tone yeah her
1: eyes she needs to be a redhead she'll pop right um those are just you know Again, going back to the theater, you learn about bodies and proportion um, and what looks good. And how do you make a waist for somebody that doesn't have one? And and how do you hide a a busty girl? Or, um, you know, how do you make, you know, somebody look taller Um, like Jill, like five, seven? I'm like, but, bam, you can teach a five, seven girl how to make herself look longer and you can do it with clothes. You know, if you go monochromatic and keep a long line and you don't chop them up into thirds, you can make them look taller. So all of that goes back to when I was super young and learning fashion history and then just dealing with tons of different kinds of bodies. And that's where that other place was really good for me.
0: Right, I love it. I mean, I love all your history and your your story, and I definitely think you should write a book. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and and I think that you should open up your own stylist company. Um. Well, you know, somebody that's what else, I think. Somebody else has has told me that. Okay. Well, but... now that's two. <laughs> now no, it's um, true because i mean people really want to have people to style them who know about the fashion business who know the history of the fashion business what's going to look good on them what's not gonna yeah look good i have good. customers at Saks that
1: yeah. tell me you know i haven't bought anything since you're not being there anymore and i'm like okay that's five or six or seven or eight years you really need to update your wardrobe <laughs> And I will go shopping with you, okay? Because they just don't, um, I don't know why, they just, what happens is they get that, you shop, you teach them about their body and what looks good on them. The same way you do a model, you teach them to walk, what looks good on them, how to show up and they get positive feedback. So then they know what you've told them is true, that you weren't lying to them. Because other people are looking at them at that point and going, "Um, you are looking really good these days, what's going on? And you've simply taught them, you know, I was one of those people that... I'd put the dress on them and then they'd go, oh, and i am go, we're gonna shorten the sleeve. We're gonna nip in the waist. We're gonna add a pleat in the back and then a sl- and you're gonna love it. We're gonna totally remake the dress. You're gonna love it. And they trust me and they do it. And then they'd go to the event and people would say, well, that dress was tailored for you. You know, fit, fit, fit. Even if you buy cheap clothing, get it fit. You can buy stuff at Goodwill and get it fit. I, I've bought stuff at Goodwill and taken it to, to seamstresses and had it totally remade. Taken it apart and had it totally remade. Okay. And you, you get this great couture piece that you didn't think you could wear. You couldn't wear it was as it was. But you spend $200, you update it, and you've got this incredible piece that you can keep forever. And I mean literally take it apart and cut it down. I I have one English houndstooth coat that the poor guy, you know, we had to take yards of fabric out of that coat and slim slim it down and put grosgrain on it and a yellow lining. Because, you know, when you flash that thing, you gotta have a little bit of color there. So um, that may happen. Yeah. I, may, I may do that. I think you should. write I, I may do that. I mean, it's wide open for me right now. I could have a normal job and do that too, which is kind of what I've done my whole life. You have that job that puts, you know, food on the table in order for you to do this really big creative um, thing. And that's okay because that was, that was how I started. And that's how I've always kept what I'm doing. Um, you know, that's where, that's where Tina and Jill and matriarch have been really good for me. They kind of keep me in there, you know, you kind of
0: pull just like the mafia, just when I think I'm getting away. (laughs) You can't get out of the fashion business. It's too hard. (laughs) It's too hard. I've been doing it too long, too. I don't know. It's just I, something it's that... like. Don't you sometimes you just sit down and go, "What am I? What doing? am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> I should teach tennis instead or something."
1: <laughs> it's like, what
0: am I doing? Who do I think I am? Like, what's going on? It's just part of your soul. That's all. It is,
1: you know. It's just part of. I think you have all those collective things that you've done that give you perspective. So you can impart on a model, okay, I'm going to give you a reference. And you may not know who this is, but go look it up, right? Go look it up. And, and that's, what I'm, that's how I'm going to style you. And that's what this shoot's going to be about. Because you always have to look back to the past in order to make the present relevant, especially in fashion, because it's all been done. The only thing new in fashion is fabric, that's it. And the looks of the models changes. The rest of it, let's, let's, how many times can you remake an A-line dress? I mean, come on. It's
0: true, oh my
1: God. You can, okay, but you do the A-line dress and spandex fabric, hello. The only thing different is the fabric and, and making it relevant. You know, you could, you could take old pieces and make them relevant right now with the right model and the right accessories and the right hair and makeup. And nobody would know it was an old piece. They just wouldn't because it's all been done. It's all out there and we've seen it.
0: Yeah. We've seen it, you know, from the seventies, I love it. I want the 20s to come back. That's my I want the 20s period. to come back too. I love that period. I love <laughs> the
1: 20s. Um, I love it. I love the 20s and I love Hollywood glamour in like the 40s and 50s. You know, the whole Rita Hayworth. Um, man, you know, that whole thing. Um, that was real glamour. Glamour is a spell. It's not real. And we know it's not real, but we still crave it. Glamor
0: is a spell. It's a witch's spell. It's not <laughs> uh, real. Okay. On that note, we're going to stop. <laughs> Glamor <laughs> is a it, witch's spell.
1: It is. If you glamorize someone, you're casting a spell on them. You're, you're giving an illusion of something that's that's not real. And no woman can look like that every day. Can, can you imagine? It takes a team to make a woman look like that. And in the 50s, men thought women actually looked like that every day? Grow up. What? Six hours to get ready for you to come home from work? I don't think so. Earn your bra. Get rid of all of that. I'm, I'm just, like corsets. What? Yeah. It's crazy, for, isn't it? Yeah. Fashion is pain.
0: Well, thank you so much, Todd, for coming on here and talking with us about rambling.
1: Like no, rambling. I
0: love it. I love it. You yeah, know I, was so like, okay, I wasn't come back. Let's
1: go back to this. Come back. Come back. No, no, it's great. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, so appreciate it. It's great. Anytime I loved doing it. And when I write yeah. that book, I will definitely give you a signed copy.
0: Okay. Because you'll probably one. be in it yeah thank you so that. much. I was like I it was so you know, pleasure was to meet you.
1: much the whole time and <laughs> I was like I just wish I could experience that, but I was too 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 young <laughs> yeah well, but but the whole idea is you're gonna have those experiences. yeah, you're gonna have your nostalgia to look back on. yeah that's true. and it's gonna be just as cool as what we did.
0: yeah. Except we lived in the coolest time. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) All right, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much.
0: Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. For more episodes, as well as our online modeling workshop, visit modelsecrets.online. See you next week.